So, uh, I've been working through a series. We're going to continue with the series today. The series is called Living It, right? Living it, man. We're living it. We're living in the life what Jesus has called us to. And essentially what the, the, the theme, what the, the, the purpose of this um, series is, is just kind of investigating, touching in again about what is it to be a follower of Jesus? What is it to be a disciple of Jesus of Nazareth? I prefer the word apprentice. So what is it to be an apprentice to Jesus of Nazareth? And what we've been saying is, is um, as an apprentice to Jesus, we are focusing all of our attention, centering our attentions on three main things that we all remember. Firstly, <laughs> is anyone going to share today? <laughs> it is Jesus, Chris. Uh, secondly, it is to become more like Jesus. I was reading your lips there. And thirdly, it is to do the things that Jesus did. Those are the three core things that we want to center our lives around. And we can kind of sum them up in one thing. Thanks. Okay, so we kind of can wrap up those three things around one goal, and that is transformation. So we're saying that our chief goal, our big goal as followers of Jesus, is all about transformation. It's about change. <clears throat> because let's face it, when it comes to being Christ-like, being like Jesus, we're not there yet, are we? You know, I did that exercise. I asked people to stand up if you're like 10% like Jesus. And everybody got very quickly got nailed into the seat because we're not there yet. Uh, we haven't arrived. We're not that perfect image of God or the image that God has created us to be. We're not anywhere near like the image, the perfect image of God, which Jesus is. I was saying that, you know, just by virtue of the fact that we get up tomorrow and we go about our daily life, we are on a journey of change. We're, we're being formed in our daily lives. It's just something that's happening. So without us even applying intention, without us being conscious of it, we're being formed by a number of other things. I'll just quickly buzz through. I haven't got the diagram this week, but uh, essentially we're being formed by these four things, things that we've grown up to believe to be true about the way the world works. We call them the narratives or the stories of the, the life. Secondly, we're being formed by the habits, so the things that we do over and over and over again, daily rituals, things that we keep doing, they shape us. They, the things we do do something to us. Thirdly, relationships, the people that we surround ourselves with, they form us. We become like them. And then fourthly is the environments where we live. So the town where you live or the place where you work or the way you socialize, all those have an influence on us. All of them have a power to influence who you and I are becoming, for better or for worse, uh, and whether you're aware of that or not. 
And surprise, surprise, this may be a surprise to some of you, that something that all those things are forming us into is not necessarily Christ-likeness. Is that a word? <laughs> it's not necessarily pushing us towards Christ-likeness. It doesn't sound like a real word when I started saying that. I thought, okay. Um, so then, as followers of Jesus, who it's our intent to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus, that we need to do something to counteract all those changes that are coming at us, okay? Or the, the natural um, uh, formation which is taking place because of those things I just described. We need to counteract, we need to offset those things. And so the way that we offset, the way that we, we counteract the transforming influence of the stories that we believe is through t- teaching. We replace the stories with teaching, good teaching, biblical teaching. What's the, what does the Bible say? Uh, and I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, uh, about how transformation begins its process in our minds. That's where transformation starts, in our thinking. Uh, among many other passages that we kind of pulled out that morning, we looked at Romans 12. I think we've got Romans 12 right near the beginning there. Paul instructs us, do not conform to the pattern of this world. In other words, don't align yourself, don't align your thinking to the ways of the world and the narratives of the world. But, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Now, this transformation of the mind, is there's a word which it's, we can kind of sum up what that is. Paul describes it as repentance. <laughs> it's the word repentance. Um, repent literally means to change your thinking, to have a complete U-turn in the way that you think about things, particularly about Uh, sin and salvation Uh, but in doing so the change in your mind is so profound and so uh, different um, that it causes you to do a u-turn in the way that you live as well does that make sense good so that was a couple of weeks ago i was talking about a number of things which kind of help getting you know, teaching into our mind, to renew our minds then, renew our imaginations. Firstly, reading the scriptures. Secondly, reading good teaching books on the scriptures or teaching the the way of Jesus, the Jesus way of living. Thirdly, sitting under teaching, what we're doing here today. Fourthly, listening to podcasts. There is some great teaching out there, far, far better communicators than me. And it's just freely available. You can download and listen to some some rubbish stuff out there as well. But, you know, you've got to dig through. But there is some great, great teachers out there. And then fifthly is inviting others around us here to speak into our lives. So it's building intentional relationships whereby we can be totally real and totally open and say, man, is this true? Is this how I'm feeling about me and how I think God sees me? But then inviting others to go, actually, no, <laughs> that's not true. That, that thing that you've been believing for I don't know how long, that's a false, that's a lie. This is what the scriptures say. This is what God believes for you. And this is what God has in store for you. So we need that sort of input as well. So 
That was a couple of weeks ago. How transformation starts. It begins uh, in our minds through the trans- uh, transfer of information. Or, yeah, tr- information. But where I was left off that last week, I keep thinking it's last week. It wasn't last week at all. Um, where we left off last time was I was saying, well, actually, information transfer alone is not enough for transformation. So um, information alone is not enough for transformation. It's not enough just to simply know something is true because we have things called hearts and desires and longings, and so often those desires, those hearts, fly right in the face, right in the opposite direction to what we know is true and right. Um, <laughs> those that know me know I like uh, hot, spicy food. I love hot, spicy food. I love, uh, you know, a good Indian, scorcher, mayfair type thing. Um, and they, a number of years ago, we had a week of prayer and fasting. Okay, so we'd been fasting. I'd fasted food, mostly food. Um, I was on medication at the time, and I had a couple of people come to me and say, look, Rob, you've got to be careful stopping eating because you'll slow down your metabolism. You, you've, got to, you've got to allow your body till to metabolize the, the medication you're on for your blood pressure. So I thought, oh, okay. So I just limited myself just to eating bits of fruit. So I had a couple of apples, a couple of oranges throughout the week, uh, you know, a day throughout the week. So come to the end of that seven-day fasting prayer, which was great, by the way, um, Ansh and I found ourselves up in Nottingham at a conference. I think it was a healing conference at the Trent Vineyard there. Now, I haven't eaten. I've just, we've just broke the fast. And whilst we're up there at the conference, we bumped into a couple of friends that we, they, we haven't seen for a, a year or so. They used to be part of this church when we were right at the beginning. And so they were at the conference and they said, hey, now, what, shall we catch up? Do you want to go for lunch? I was like, yeah, that'd be really cool. Let me meet, meet up and have some lunch. They took us out to an Indian. I was like, yes. So we went to an Indian, and I thought to myself, oh, be a bit careful here, Rob. You haven't eaten for seven days. So I ordered what I would normally order if I just wanted something mild, a boona. But I thought, I've got to spice it up a little bit. I had some chili rice. And uh, now when they brought the food out, their version of the boona was already like, Scalding hot. I don't know. It's a different region or something. <laughs> and then the, the chili rice on top of that was just like, take the skin out the roof of your mouth type. You know, it is so hot. But I love hot food. So I ate, ate it anyway. I, I just loved it. So I was okay for about an hour. Um, needless to say... The afternoon sessions at the conference was not my best uh, experience. In fact, it was like very rapid dashes to the uh, the loo, five-minute dashes, you know. Oh, man, this is terrible. And I knew this was going to happen. But uh, we cut the the conference short. We said, we've got to get home. So we said goodbye to a bunch of folks that we knew. It was one last visit to the small room. And then, dash for the car, get home quick. Now, the journey from Trent Vineyard to Daventry is just over an hour's drive. It felt like a four-hour drive that night. <laughs> um, it was okay. It was touch and go a few times. 
we didn't have to hose out the car or anything like that, so we, <laughs> we got home okay, and, uh, but it was a little bit uh, scary, I've got to say. Well, what I've discovered is, is since that time, my stomach was empty, and I went and stuck all this boiling up food, spicy food in it. What I've found out there since then, I can't eat spicy food anymore. One sniff of a chilli, and I've got to be within like 10 feet of a toilet. <laughs> it just hits my stomach terrible. But does that stop me eating hot spicy food? <laughs> no. It, just knowing the truth, knowing that reality that I'm going to be in trouble tomorrow if I eat this, isn't enough to actually stop me from eating spicy hot food. In fact, last night with our dinner, I went and threw on a load of jalapenos again and I was in trouble this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's true. Knowing the truth is, is just not enough to get us to do the, same, the, the right things. It, we have this thing called desire. I love hot spicy food it's just and the reason being is why I do that and I know I'm not alone in this by the way I know you do things as well that you know is not good for you or you know you're going to suffer yeah you, I, you, you liars <laughs> all these people are saying no I, I don't you liars, you do. Um, but why do I do that? Why do we do that? It's because what we love in our hearts has a greater influence on what we do than what we know in our minds. I'll say that again. What we love in our hearts often has a greater influence on what we do than what we know in our head. And that applies to every area of our life, every area of our spirituality, just life, living so knowing the truth then, getting good teaching into our minds and our imaginations is an essential starting place for transformation. But where do we go from there? You know, where, when our hearts are saying something otherwise, when our longings and our loves and desires are saying, ah, but, how, you know, where do we go from there when we know what's right, wrong or good or bad? Well, the next up, what we're going to talk about is this whole, the whole idea of practice, our practices. So in addition to replacing the stories um, that we believe with teaching, we need to replace our habits with practices. Why don't you turn to Matthew chapter 7, if you get your Bible with you. Um, if you haven't got your Bible with you, why not? <laughs> Actually, I need to stop putting the words up on the screen. Uh, I was reading some statistic uh, that it says if Mr. Speaker person at the front puts up the, the words to the scriptures, there is something like 70% 70 more, 70 more likelihood that you won't pick up your Bibles when you go home. <laughs> Now, you're all saying, no, Rob, we're not like that. But apparently, if we don't put that up, and you people are forced to bring here so they can follow, there is something crazy, like 90% more chance that you'll actually pick up and read your Bibles when you go home. Anyway, that's a freebie. You don't have to pay for that. 
<laughs> okay. So Matthew chapter 7, this is kind of like, uh, this is a collection of Jesus' teachings, um, what we've come to call the Sermon on the Mount, this large chunk of Jesus teaching what it means to live the life according to this new reality, this new way of living called the kingdom of God. Um, but just look at this, right? This is startling, man, the way Jesus finishes this big block of teaching. So he said, like, this is how you should be to live. This is, you know, when you come under the kingdom of God, this is how we live. Verse 24, he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and, all together, puts it into practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and, everybody, does not put it into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Whoa! What a way to finish his teaching. This is like, you know, there's no pep talk from Jesus at the end. You know, I've done all this big block of teaching about how to live. And then he's like, okay, guys, yeah, it's been great to be with you this morning. Uh, I just really appreciate you inviting me to come and speak today. It's just, this is the teaching. Now, you put it into practice, or if you don't, when things come along, disasters and tricky things come along in life, you're going to fall apart. Boom, that's it. He's out of there. He's off the stage. It's like Jesus has left the building. <laughs> that's what he's like, left them with. And man, I, I, I don't know. I, I think of this passage often when somebody within the church or somebody that, you know, a loved one, a family, a friend or whatever, and they're going through some kind of dramatic, tragic event. I think of this passage because, you know, it's right in those moments of um, tragedy or things that kind of hit and cause us pain and suffering. It's right in those moments where we really try to see the true fabric of a person's character. It really is. And, you know, there are those, and I know there are those here who, you know, you've experienced tragedy, experienced loss. And for some, you kind of see them and, yes, you know, sure enough, they experience all the heartache. They experience all of the pain and all the grief. But they seem to get through it. And they're still working out in their journey of following Jesus, still co connecting with others, wanting to interact with us, and still want to be a blessing to other people. And yet the others you can actually see, they go through, I don't know, an illness or a disease. They go through unemployment. You know, they lose the job or something. And their lives literally come to a stop. You know, they, they, they just fall apart. It's like total devastation. And I think what Jesus is saying here is directly related to that. You see, there, there are many people who you would, they would describe themselves as Christian, yet never, never practice the ways of Jesus. They don't do anything other than, you know, one or two things like come to church or whatever. They don't do anything in the way of practicing the way of Jesus. And there may be semi-moral people, there may be really nice person, people to know, and yet when something happens to them, it's like, oh, whoa, you do, you, obviously you don't actually you know, open to seeing or actually living the way of Jesus. 
You know, might be a real nice person. Um, you may even be around the church a lot. But now look at your life. It's kind of completely falling apart. And I think Jesus, his teaching speaks potently into those sort of scenarios. And you know what? It's not just here in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says something to say about how vital the role of practice is in our lives. Check out Luke chapter 8, verse 21. It says, he replied, this is Jesus. Jesus replied, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. In other words, those who are closest to me, the most who are my family, kingdom family, those are the ones who hear God's teaching, God's ways, God's, uh, the kingdom teaching and the way of Jesus. And not just like hear it, but actually do it and practice it. Then there's John chapter 13, verse 17. It says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you tuck them away somewhere soft, somewhere nice and quiet so that you can bring them out again and quote them to somebody later on. No, it doesn't. It says, now you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Does that mean you won't be blessed if you don't do them? I don't want to go there. But you'll be blessed if you do them. And then what about James chapter 1, verse 22? Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting uh, what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I don't know whether you've been in church, um, this church or another church, maybe you've been here and you've heard a message and you felt, man, yeah, God's speaking to me through that. God is really, I feel challenged in something, the way I'm living, a lifestyle thing or something. Anybody? Yeah, please give me some positivity. <laughs> Build me up. Build me up, okay? But you've been in church, you've heard a message and you're thinking, man, that is so poignant. I'm going to go home, actually, and journal that. I'm going to write it down because that has really affected my life. And then you get into Monday, and by the Monday afternoon, you go back to doing that thing that you knew you didn't really want to do. Anybody do that? I, I've, I do that. I've done that. Okay. Um, scripture after Scripture, over and over and over again, Jesus Says, and along with all, uh, many of the other writers of the New Testament, they say the same point that knowledge or teaching is not an end in itself. This, what we're doing today, is not an end in itself. It's got to lead to something. It has to lead to practice. It has to lead to actually doing something with it. Now, when we're talking about practice... What I'm talking about essentially is three components to practice, okay? Three components to practice. The first component of practice is practice based on the lifestyle of Jesus. We, we're calling them, some people call them spiritual disciplines. I'm not so keen on that phrase, disciplines. Um, spiritual practices, I call them common sense practices, um, but 
spiritual practice is a good word. I like that. Um, so what we're talking about in those, it's the fasting, it's praying, it's reading the scriptures, uh, you know, different ways of reading the scriptures, it's coming to church, it's practicing the Sabbath, it's practicing generosity, and all those sorts of things. Now, we are going to, like, dig into those deep, in, not next week, but in weeks to come. We're going to dig more into those things, and we're looking forward to that. Um, but that's firstly, practice is based on the lifestyle of Jesus. Second component to practice is practice is based on the teachings of Jesus. So think the Sermon on the Mount, like what we've just read a bit about. Jesus' instructions on how to love our enemy, how to turn the other cheek, how we're not to worry, how to be salt and light to the world, how we are to live simply now that we can store up treasures in heaven and all those things that Jesus teaches. Then the third component to practice is the practice that's based on the mission and the ministry of Jesus. So doing the stuff that Jesus actually did. Remember, I put up a list of things uh, on the, the, the big screen that was behind me. Uh, <laughs> um, it's things like uh, praying for the sick, uh, sharing the, the gospel message, teaching people how to live the way of Jesus, healing the sick, raising the dead, delivering people from oppression, all those things um, and, and more. So next time, then, we're, oh, I'm going to say we're going to get into more of the Jesus lifestyle component of practices. This is essential. It's, the, it's a non-negotiable element, component to discipleship. I think many of us in the church, including myself, have grossly underestimated the importance of the spiritual practices. Um, I, I, I really do. They are so key... Because remember that truth, the things that we do, they do something to us. <laughs> the things that we do repeatedly do something to us. So we really do want to counteract, we really do want to offset all those habits, all those rituals that we do daily in our lives. We want to do offset those through our practices, creating new habits in effect. Um, because, again, the things that we do on a regular basis, they shape us. They, they shape what we become. So these practices, as I say, we're going to dig into them uh, some more. I think the practices, they complement the teaching element that I spoke about last time so, so well. If you remember, I was saying that teaching is aimed at your mind. That's what we're doing here. So we're aiming uh, at getting into your mind with... Uh, a, a picture of the good and beautiful life that God offers us. And so we're trying to inspire your thinking and change your thinking, inspire your imaginations for how life could possibly be. So that's what the teaching's about, and yet the practices um, is aimed at what the Bible calls your heart. Your heart, that central core element of who we are, our desires. You know, we all have a heart, right? <laughs> I know we've all got that muscle that pumps blood. But what I mean by we all have desires, right? We all have deep desires and longings in our life, and they are powerful. Those desires are like an engine that kind of propels us forward. Our, our desires and our longings, they, they're the core of who we, who we are, our character. Um, they shape our motives, our actions, 
our behaviour, everything flows out of our desires and our longings, our, our heart. All that we want resonates from the heart. It's this central part of every single human being. And this is why it says in Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything we do flows from your heart, so guard your heart. I mean, the Bible also says in another place that the, the heart is the most deceitful thing above all other things. See, there's a good reason to really guard and tend to your heart. The reality is we all love. We all desire. We all have longings. Our problem is often that we direct our longings and our loves and our desires to all the wrong things. <laughs> This is me too, okay? I'm not saying I've got it all sorted. You come on, guys, catch it with me. That's not what I'm saying. I'm, this is so challenging to me. But our, you know, what we, when we're engaging in spiritual practices, what we're doing is we're redirecting our heart to all the right things. We're you know, steering our heart, recalibrating our heart and focusing it on all the right things so that our loves and our lives and our longings are all the things that God loves and longs for as well. We, wanna, we, we start to want the things that God wants. We desire the things that he desires. So spiritual practice then, it's about, as I say, recalibrating our hearts, our desires. You know, discipleship to Jesus is not just about information transfer. It's not just about information accumulation. It's taking the things that we've learned and actually putting them into practice, actually doing them. So that when the storms of life do come, and oh, do they come, <laughs> they will. I mean, Jesus said it himself, you know, you're going to have troubles. <laughs> On, on a, at least two occasions, I can remember, Jesus says, you're going to have difficulties. I'll be with you, but you know, you're going to have difficulties. So that when those things actually come along, our lives won't end up being completely devastated. Like a, a, you know, a 14th century ruin. It's just people admire it. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> that, was, that was quite good once. You know, that person was quite good and strong once. So we don't want to be like that, but we want to be those who are securely and firmly planted upon the rock of God's truth, of all that God has for us, and we'll remain. Anybody else want that? Good. In that case, why don't we pray?